0: listening to the Art Problems Podcast, episode 39. I'm your host, Patty Johnson. This is the podcast where we talk about how to get more shows, grants, and residencies. And on this podcast, I'm going to be examining the stage of business most artists I work with are at, which is that you make about 100K per year or less from your art. One of the reasons I wanted to do that is that we're in the time of year when we tend to do a lot of reflection around what we've achieved and what we want in the year to come. And I think it's helpful to understand the full context of your circumstances that you're feeling and experiencing, but don't necessarily have a framework for, because nobody talks about an artist's career as a business model. And there are very real reasons for this, but I also think that this is part of the reason that it's so difficult for so many of us to process exactly why it's so difficult to grow a career. So from the outset, I'm gonna concede that I do not have all the economic information I'd like to have, and in part that's because it doesn't exist. For example, Even determining the average wage for artists is an exercise in futility. The National Bureau of Labor groups independent painters, sculptors, and illustrators together. (laughs) The problem with that is that illustrators work to get hired. It's a service-based job. And that's really different from painters and sculptors who produce a product. Service-based jobs and product-based jobs have entirely different Processes. And that's why when the hourly mean wage for these artists in NYC is described by the Labor Board as being $62 an hour or $130,000 a year, we know that that data doesn't mean anything, even though it was released in 2023. Probably a more accurate version of reality for most of the artists that I work with can be found in the numbers of the membership. And if you're listening to this podcast, I bet you this applies to you too. So in October, 2022, we asked members how much they make from their art. And the results were that 42% declare a loss, 41% break even or make up to about 15 K and 14% make $15,000 or more. So that's not a lot who are even anywhere close to making a living wage. Now, I want to be clear that this number excludes revenue from academic or other art related jobs. Many of us work in the arts. Very few of us make a living from the art we make. It's also worth noting the gender makeup of the membership because the majority of the network membership is women. If there were more men in the membership. I have no doubt that these numbers would be much higher. As a point of comparison, if you make between $25,000 and $50,000, that's an approximate revenue of between two dollars and $4,000 each month. You're beating the odds in any industry if you're working as an entrepreneur. 11% of U.S. women-owned businesses are at this level for a total of 1,300 businesses. This is a statistic that I got from uh, the Census Bureau. And as long as we're doing comparisons, I thought it would be a useful exercise to take a look at the problems typical business owners face at the revenue number that most artists are at and see how they apply. And one of the reasons I wanted to do this is because one of the most helpful things for me that I did for myself was to stop assuming that nothing else in business was like fine art and that I couldn't learn from other industries. So what I did to prepare for this podcast was I applied the revenue numbers and experience of network members to a survey by Rachel Rogers, who's a well-known business coach, and the survey is supposed to tell you what stage of business you're at based on the revenue you type into this survey. And let me tell you, the results were so weird that this is actually my second time recording this podcast because the results were even less applicable than I originally thought, and I had to redo the whole podcast. The biggest issue with what she calls the growth scale, this is her survey and and framework, and the biggest problem with any of these business scale formulas is that the standard revenue markers that we apply to all businesses just don't make sense for artists. And I think it's really useful to point this out because while that may already be your experience in the world, I want you to know that it's almost no one else's. The average business owner may get stuck at a beginning stage of their business and not progress, but they don't get as far advanced as most artists do without making money. Like It's just entirely different in the fine art world where you can have all the signs of success and be making revenue that aligns with the earliest stages of business, which in this growth scale is uh anywhere between zero and twenty five thousand dollars so given that this is the case here's what i decided to do i took the three stages that rachel rogers laid out and changed the revenue benchmarks based on the membership that i run so the first stage is operating a loss and making art for less than three years so what i also did is i took the duration that you have been practicing into consideration. The second stage is operating at a loss to $15,000 and making art for more than three years. And the third stage is making more than $15,000 a year through your art alone. And here's the thing about this phase. If you make more than $15,000 in a year, any year, You never return to the second stage. I mean, this is just a rule I made up, but I think it makes sense because artist revenue is so unpredictable that it doesn't make sense economically to do anything different with these different stages in business. And there's one final observation before we dive in. But based on my conversations with artist taxation experts and the membership itself, My sense is that there are more artists who make a living off their art by selling it themselves than there are those who do so using a gallery. Now, I want to be clear that I'm not saying don't use a gallery. If your work sells for a lot of money or is complicated to handle or you're looking for museum placement or, you know, a show venue and that's really important for you, you need a gallery. But if your primary goal is to make a living off your art and you're less concerned about show venues, well, I would see what selling it on your own looks like for you. So let's get started. So the first thing we're gonna take a look at is stage one. This is the, the stage that I call the beginner stage. You're just getting started. So you're gonna be operating a loss at a loss, making art for less than three years. You will have a long checklist of items to complete before you're ready or able to show regularly, sell your work, or gain public commissions. But you're ready to do the work and you're excited about the journey. Where you are now, you feel like you're outside of an art world looking in, but you're not even sure where this art world is located. You don't know where to start. And where you want to be, you want to have at least enough knowledge to know where you belong inside the industry, how to get there. You need to learn how to create time and space in your life to focus on your studio goals. That means setting boundaries, cutting unnecessary commitments, starting to say no a lot more and announcing your art to your network and researching where to show it. And what you need to stop doing if you want to gain visibility is to stop letting other people take up your time with things that aren't a priority for you. You need to stop giving your art away for free or close to free or not sharing it at all. What you need to start doing if you want to grow your visibility is to share your art and also recognize your value as an artist and start acting on it. As an experiment, I want you to every week ask yourself, How much time am I able to devote to working on my studio practice this week? And your weekly habit will be making sure that you're in your studio making art and in the field looking at art. If you don't look at a lot of art, you won't have enough familiarity with the art landscape to know where it'll fit. And your work is going to suffer too. The best inspiration for your art is other art. Finally, your mindset mantra every day. Just remember, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. That's by Martin Luther King Jr. So we have a checklist here for stage one. And of course, if you want this checklist, I have it available in the show notes. I made that for you. Your checklist is going to look like, if you're in stage one, make a decision about what art you're going to focus on, announce what you make and offer to your personal network, sell your first artwork, carve out regular studio hours set up a bookkeeping software service in a normal business checklist there would be a revenue goal here so for example rachel rogers was making two thousand dollars each month for three months consecutively before he could graduate to the next level well you're not going to have consistent revenue like this so you can throw that last checklist item away Try to look at revenue in quarters rather than months, especially in the early stages. Even some of the biggest names have hot and cold years. Some years, a single $100,000 commission will be all an artist lives on for that entire year. Other years, they will be flush. So you don't have to make art that only exists. be sold. I want to be clear. This is just one part of the art world. There are a lot of ways to participate in this economy and they don't have to do with commerce. But what you do have to decide is where within this industry you're going to participate. All right. So the next stage, stage two, this is the intermediate stage. You're on your way. So your revenue ranges anywhere from operating at a loss to 15K a year in revenue. You've been working at this for three to five years or more. And by now, you know how to get your work seen, but you're struggling with a few elements of the visibility nut. So where you are now, you've shared your art, you've experimented with mediums, acquired some collectors, established your name at nonprofits and proven yourself as an artist. So wherever it is that you fit in that industry, You've made a little bit of your name for yourself, where you want to be. You want to get a lot more collectors or nonprofit venues. You want to make enough to start living a more comfortable lifestyle and feel more professional. You're working to minimize any work that doesn't contribute somehow to the work that you make. How you are going to get there? There are two steps. First of all, you're going to build and sustain an audience of potential collectors or venues so that you always have a pool of venues to show your work or collectors who want to purchase. And you're going to set up the foundations for your business systems so that you're set up and ready for future success. So the things that you need to stop doing at this stage, if you want to grow your practice, stop focusing on appearances, stop comparing yourself to others. Honestly, this happens at all levels, so there is that, but I I think that at this level, it's particularly acute. You're very aware at this point what the industry looks like, but you're not where you want to be. So what you need to start doing if you want to grow, there are two things here. First, recognize that you already have everything you need to build an audience, and Two, you need to consistently show up on Instagram, email, openings, all those things. So, your weekly question this is your homework. Every week, I want you to ask yourself, What's my favorite way to communicate? How can I build visibility using this method? And your weekly habit is going to be each week making sure that you're seeing art or networking at least once. And your mindset mantra is just going to be to remember to share the process. People want to know, like, it's it's not just as cheesy as, and I don't even know if this is cheesy exactly. It's just something that I think we're told a lot to do to show the behind the scenes of what's happening in your art. And that's definitely important. But I think part of it too is just letting people know who you are and how that informs your work. And so when you're able to show up and communicate about that more, you're going to have a deeper connection with the people you work with. And that goes back to choosing what your favorite way to communicate is. Because one of the things that's going to happen is that you're going to be doing Instagram or email or whatever it is, but you're also going to find that you just have one thing that you do that's a lot better, (laughs) like that you're just naturally better at. And that's what you want to focus on. So your stage two checklist is going to look like this. You're going to make a decision about what your primary venues should be, commercial galleries, public art spaces, nonprofits. It's possible to get to this point and be a little scattered. Okay. So as we progress through these stages, you do tend to get a little bit more focused and you know, you'll develop a reputation within those areas that you participate in. And the other thing on the checklist is you're going to choose a weekly method for connecting with potential venues, collectors and just show up consistently. You want to focus on maxing out on the amount that you can commit to. Now, this particular checklist item I'm gonna say this is very hard this is very hard for a lot of artists a lot of artists don't do this however I will also say that I have never seen this method not work I will give the massive caveat here that you have to have done the research it definitely won't work if you haven't done the research and you're just spamming people but if you have done the research For potential venues, for collectors, for any of these places that might be interested in your work, the chances are that they're going to be interested in you. You know, when the research is done properly, usually the part of the process of researching introduces you to them. So it's a natural way of getting connected with people. Now, the next thing on your checklist is you're going to set up a basic system for responding to inquiries, create bank accounts and you're gonna hire a professional to do your taxes. Now, I just also wanna put out there that a lot of this stuff happens naturally as you do it, so just don't stress out about it. You're gonna know that something is required because you don't have it, and your life is hard because you don't have it, and then you will fix it. So the next stage is stage three. This stage is the proficient stage, and this is the stage where you're almost there. Rachel Rogers calls this the busy bee stage. And in my opinion, it's the worst stage of business. And I think the busy bee-ness is not relegated to this level, but it's often the most intense at this time. It's just hell being in, in this stage. Because if you're a busy bee, it means you've been doing this for a while and you're like really close to breaking through as an artist. You have clarity on your art and ideal venues. You're probably frustrated that you're not further along because you know the players, you know this world. So you you know, you know feel like you have this momentum, but simultaneously you feel stuck. So where you are now, you have visibility and you've never been busier, and yet you're still not making the kind of money you desire or showing exactly. Like maybe you've been showing at the same venues for a long time. So things just aren't changing the way that you want them to where you want to be. So you want to hire some help so that you can spend more time doing the things that you're best at. So how to get there? You're going to need to learn how to do these two things. The first is you need to learn how to create a scalable studio model so that you can grow your practice without burning out. Now, I know a lot of you are cringing right now. Don't do that. Like I get it, but Just know that I'm not telling you to become an art making machine, a robot to compromise your work or any of that shit. I'm just saying, think about what kind of work you can do that will get you paid enough to maintain a modest lifestyle. Because at a certain point, if you're not making decisions that account for your living needs, you're not gonna be able to thrive. You'll be too busy trying to survive. And I know too many artists that are living just above the poverty line because they make just enough to get by, but they can't get further along that road. This is a place where people very frequently get stuck and it's it's a very, very tough place to be in. So number two in what you need to learn to do, you need to learn how to start making decisions that respond to the amount of time you have and the life you want to live. So it's really time for this hustle phase to come to an end. You need to be a little bit more strategic in your decision-making, and that's going to be key to making more money or giving yourself more time, like whatever it is that that is the metric of thing that will tangibly increase your happiness in your life, your contentness. And you want to be able to increase your visibility without necessarily also increasing your workload. So what you need to stop doing to grow your practice, you need to stop saying yes to every potential show opportunity that comes through the door. This is something you do in the early stages, but once you reach this level, there does come a point where you can't say yes to everything and you really shouldn't. You also need to stop making decisions that don't require any financial investment beyond time. So what I'm saying here is that at a certain point, your time is going to be more valuable than the financial investment required to give you back that time. And so you always want to be thinking like, how do I want to spend my time? (laughs) Like, is it worth it to me to pay somebody else so that I don't have to do this? What you need to start doing if you want to grow your practice First, recognize that you don't have to say yes to anyone with a show space. And two, identify one main track in the art industry and how your art fits within this. Now, this is something you probably already did in the second stage, but it's kind of a constant process of winnowing that down so that the space that you're participating in is smaller and therefore you have more opportunity because the more tuned in you are to that space, the more competitive you're gonna be within it. So the weekly question that you're gonna ask yourself is, what should I start saying no to in my studio practice in my professional life? And your weekly habit, every week I wanna make sure that you are saying no to shows and opportunities and just regular old commitments that aren't 100% aligned with your goals. This is where you have to be really ruthless and really start prioritizing your practice over everything else. And your mindset mantra, and this one is so key, what got me here won't get me there. So you're going to have to give up some things that you're used to doing. I feel like I'm saying this for a lot of these stages that The the mindset mantra applies for every stage, and it's kind of true. But like the thing about um, every stage of your practice is that it's always going to be different. So when you get to that next stage, it always feels like it's going to be some huge relief, and then you just realize that there's another mountain, and that mountain is different, and that's a good thing because if we were only climbing the same mountain, it would get boring. But every stage of your career is different. Everything you need to navigate will always change. And while that can feel overwhelming, it is also a point of, it's an opportunity to learn. And that's the place where I think things can get exciting. So your stage three checklist will be to review the key metrics in the studio practice so that you can accurately assess the success of your practice you're going to set those metrics, right? So how much time you have in this studio, how much money you're making, how many people you connect with. Those are things that you decide what's important. And then you set your activities based on that, right? So if you want more time, then you're going to make decisions that give you more time. So it's a very direct process. You're going to hire an assistant to help in the studio and with administration tasks. And you're going to develop systems for making art and cataloging it so that you can be more efficient in the studio. All right. So those are the three stages. Now I want to issue all the caveats about this because there are a few. First of all, most of you will find that the stages don't neatly align with your struggles. That's totally normal. As an artist, you're not going to fit neatly into a business model playbook. And if you did, it would probably be a little bit weird. Additionally, almost every artist I speak with is in some form of busy B stage. So this is the third stage, which is to say that you're overwhelmed with work, whether or not that your income reflects it. And we, we talked about that just a minute ago. That's another thing that's normal for artists. And honestly, part of why network exists is to ease that burden. Although in my experience, one type of work just tends to be replaced with another. But what we do in the membership is to reduce the friction of getting that work done. So the learning curve is just less of a mountain to climb. Finally, one thing that the Rachel Rogers growth scale and these other standard models assume For businesses is that you're selling products or services at a much lower price than you actually do. As an artist, you can sell your art for a lot more money than the average person selling an ordinary product, but your cost of goods sold, this is cogs in the accounting world, are often much higher. So I'm actually (laughs) <laughs> I'm in this business, but I'm often shocked when artists who track their expenses tell me how much money they made from a sale versus the cost to make it. So their net take-home versus the gross. The take-home often doesn't cover the cost of the labor, and they aren't able to price the art higher because their mar- like that particular market can't sustain a higher price. And this is extremely relevant to your situation because the initial outset cost for producing art is so high and the potential customers so limited that artists have a much harder time getting past these initial stages of business identified by Rachel Rogers. So there are reasons that you are struggling that have nothing to do with your worth as an artist, but the structure of business and capitalism itself. However, when you know that, when you know the steps to move past these barriers, or at least you're able to recognize that these barriers exist, the job is a little easier. And that's why I made this podcast. Thank you for listening. If you like the show, please leave a review and share it with a friend. It really helps get that valuable information out to more artists just like you. You can find all of the names and the links that we reference in this conversation at workshop.art/podcast